0: What's up, theorites? Welcome to episode one of Theorists in the Desert, a bonus interview series. This is part one of at least six interviews we have leading up to Contact in the Desert June 25th to 28th. We've teamed up with the event organizers to bring on some of their amazing researchers, scientists, and presenters ahead of the event. So we hope you enjoy episode one with Kevin Day kevin day is a retired united states navy senior chief petty officer a former operations specialist and top gun air intercept controller with more than 20 years of experience in strike group air defense including wartime operations he is an expert operator of the highly advanced spy one radar system and has logged hundreds of air-to-air intercepts of a suspect aircraft in both training and wartime operations that's more than enough introduction We hope you enjoy the interview with Kevin Day. Let's get to it. All right, we have Kevin Day here. Kevin, what was the catalyst that got you started on your current path?
1: Well, let me go back to 2004 when this really happened. It was just happened to be my last underway before I retired. It was also my very last real world intercept out of hundreds in my logbook. That was an air intercept controller, uh, hundreds of intercepts in peacetime and wartime operations. And when that, when that happened, I had 18 years of sea time behind the spy one radar. I was up on watch, and I saw this really strange formation of tracks off of Catalina Island. And first time I saw them, I think there was probably five tracks. And they were at 28,000 feet going 100 knots. And I was thinking to myself, now, that's really strange. I've never seen anything ever fly like that. And I wasn't really worried about them. Um, They were way up there. We were way down to the south, and they probably didn't need – probably something civilian-related. They didn't even know we were there until the day – of. <clears throat> that we were going to do the air defense exercise and i told the captain I said, hey sir you know we got these unknown objects in our airspace and i highly recommend that we intercept one and find out what the hell they are because if we don't and there's an air-to-air intercept and a mishap um someone's going to ask both you and me why we were we were so damn curious about these things he said you're right senior chief intercept one and that's kind of how it happened and um so I, I went to my I transferred as soon as we got back to sh- uh, back to shore and retired three years later went into defense contracting and I tried to tell anyone who would listen to me that I thought would listen to me what about this and I got laughed at and hard I got scoffed at my former boss I won't mention his name or the company said Kevin what have you been smoking and I I got so damn frustrated I I wrote I wrote this story in the um. If i get emotional here, there's a reason okay no it's all good <clears throat> I, I wrote down this story in a in a form of a fictionalized account because yeah, i was so frustrated i published it in the library of congress with some other short stories and my book's called sailor's anthology you can go there and find it it's also online for free and just in case this story ever did break my book would be evidence that it really happened so i ended up back home um Long story short, it was volunteering at the down at the uh, golf course. I had just reopened the kitchen, playing out, carrying out a plate of food. hadn't hired a waiter or waitress yet. And all of a sudden, hey, who turned off the gut? And then I saw a CNN story, and it was a video that I had in my email all those years ago. I was so shocked, guys! I dropped the plate of food. And, Babe, I got to go home. I'll explain later. And uh. I contacted some of my former shipmates because we felt obligated to support Commander Fravor's story. One thing led to another, and um, we formed a nonprofit called UAP Expeditions. It's online and also on Facebook. And we are going back out to Catalina Island with a bunch of real top-notch researchers and some really cool gear. And we're going to go back and refine these objects. And, of course, um, this didn't stay quiet, so one thing led to another, and... Um, I started doing a lot of speaking tours and traveling. In fact, um, next week, I'm going out back out to Hollywood to do another show. And then I'm going to Catalina Island to scout out some of our locations that we're going to um, set up our data or recording devices at. So that's kind of been a nutshell what happened to me. Sorry for what too fast. But.
2: First off, listening to your – like y- you get emotional stuff. We've talked about that many times, the frustration it must be to have an experience like this. Ah. It ruined did, my career guys did it change everything did it change everything for you like does everything change when you have that kind of experience
1: it, for me it did yeah yeah right and the, the problem was I didn't realize what was happening to me for a long long time I't did, I didn't even know who valley davis was until just a few years ago I right. thought maybe I was going crazy you know but what the hell what's happened to me I don't know I do now
2: so like that day when you're when you're looking at these things w- your first thoughts? Is it? Are you are you leaning towards that? Like, hey, these could be some potential, like, you know, some other country's crafts? Or are you looking at these things right away and going, these are not from Earth?
1: No, not at first. I was thinking it was entirely something civilian related. They didn't even know we were out there, and they were they represented no type of threat to us whatsoever. We were we weren't getting any type of electronic signals from them. They weren't threatening in any way. And um, the only reason why I even became concerned about them is because we were going to put a bunch of aircraft for an air defense exercise in that same piece of the sky. And I was very concerned about safety of flight. Right. And I the captain to do an intercept, and that's how that happened.
2: So at what point does it turn from where you're looking at these things and going like, hey, maybe these aren't civilian crafts either?
1: As soon as Commander Fravor, uh, Fast Eagle Flight 01, was that merge plat, which is two objects in the same vertical piece of sky? That object, whatever the hell it was, dropped from twenty-eight thousand feet down to the surface of the ocean. I found out later the next day in 0.78 seconds. No sonic booms, almost instant. Miles an hour or some crazy, um, pulling unbelievable amount of g forces. Um, that's when I became convinced that we were seeing something not from this Earth.
0: Yeah, because don't think you're witnessing like the craft pull G's and defy like our understanding of physics is what it seems like.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then <clears throat> commander favor short of gas. It goes back to the carrier, <clears throat> back to the Nimitz lands. The next flight takes off. And <clears throat> before I knew it, I had a bunch of uh, aircraft airborne and, and they were all intercepting these things. And at one point, gentlemen, these, these objects were falling straight out of the sky. It was like raining UFOs. And it, they would chase them down the surface. And as soon as they got down to surface, the things would react to them. They get in a little dogfight. They went straight back up to twenty-eight thousand feet again in less than a second, and and just reformed like a flock of birds would, and kept going south at a hundred knots. So, they they reacted like a some super capable flock of birds.
0: So how like how many objects would you estimate?
1: Uh, that over the course of about ten days, if I counted them all up, it was about a hundred objects, Holy. and they appeared in groups of. Uh, five to ten at a time, and then the nim- Over-
0: and then the encounter that was made famous by the video is just them capturing one of the objects, right?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very short snippet from a much longer video. Just so you know, there's a longer video out there because part of the air air control process is when I uh, give an order to do an intercept, the pilot will respond by saying, flight's on, tapes on." That's his response. So, it was, from the moment he gets an order to do an intercept, he turns his tape on. And he doesn't turn it off until the intercept is over. So his tape was recording the whole time. And that the reason why it's so grainy, <clears throat> excuse me, this was 2004. Mm-hmm. And now let's just say that MPEG is a lot better now than it used to be. <clears throat> so I think that's where the graininess came from, from when they recorded it off his uh, at is <clears throat> his uh, forward infrared looking radar. Um, Right. You no, know, it was very. It probably wasn't a very good image copy,
0: or or it was a better copy of f- first, and then it's been as you as it gets copied, you kind of lose quality. at The more times you kind of render it down, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's right.
0: Yeah, because that's a lot of people say like, "Well, why is it so grainy if it's a twenty-five million-dollar jet fighter?" And you're like, "Well, the cameras well, the, the actual
1: l- film. The actual film was crystal clear. Yeah, when the you take that, it, it off, in all in lots of different the whole light spectrum too. By the way.
0: Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's not just taking visible light. You've got infrared and everything else. Yep.
1: Yep. You betcha. You.
3: So you said over the course of the uh the five days, so almost a week they were encountering these aircraft and they were um they were scrambling jets to go look at these still after Fraber and, and their uh and then there's like two other yeah. companions.
1: We became concerned for about the airspace itself, so we actually ended up canceling our air defense exercises out of uh safety of flight concerns so if we continue to track them and report them on radar and our data links go back to um shore installations too so these things are getting reported up the chain of command the whole time
3: so on on your radar could you give us a guess at about the size like the size approximate size of these from the radar signatures or is that you just get a general impression of like where they is it give you just location and distance
1: the radar itself is it going to give you a size indication um Commander Fravor got eyeballs on it though, and he said it was about the right. same size, his own, uh, 47 feet long or so. Big giant. And
3: then were back. they all? I mean, from the the communications that uh, that you were privy to while you were stationed on the Princeton, like, did they give any indication that all of the were all of the objects the approximately the same size, or were they all yeah. uh, were they all of di- the uh, differing in sizes?
1: They were all the same size, according to the pilots. So all you, okay, so it's like, wow, that's like 100
3: yeah, F-A-18s
1: flying around.
3: Yeah, things, things were
1: alive. They, they, Whatever that was, it was either artificial intelligence or it was actually something alive in it, or if not alive itself, some form of life that we don't know about. Were you Sorry, picking up that.
3: multiple radar contacts or is it only just like, would you pick up like one at a time or was it, no, like, I How multiple, did they? how did they appear? Like this? like if spaced my, out
1: my fingers are contacts on the screen. They just, are going real slow down the screen. So in, like in formation. Yeah. In, you know, loose in, formation.
2: And you know, like, cause I, I mean, everyone here has seen, you know, been to an air show or something and seen pilots flying formation. How does this kind of formation differ? Like were their maneuvers like way better than anything anyone would kind of see at like an air show of like planes flying in formation, like the maneuverability, like would they, would they all stay in the exact same unison?
1: They stayed in in this exact, they picked them up off Catalina and tracked them just like that all the way. And interestingly enough, you know, we're moving our radar envelopes, moving all over the ocean, all over the operations area. But every single one of those contacts faded from radar in this exact same latitude, longitude position, which was right above Guadalupe Island off the coast of Mexico. And that's why when Lou Elizondo came to interview me, as soon as I said that, he's like, I'm going there. Right. Well, that's how well I, listen. I'll, go, I'll
2: I'll take any excuse to go to Mexico too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of cervezas. I'll go down there.
1: <laughs> Me too. I'll
2: oh, buy.
3: <laughs> Deal. Um, um, I know from your other interviews, like uh, specifically the the piece of equipment, the radar equipment that you were working with at the time. Now, it, did it have? I think you mentioned something about its its effective ceiling is like twenty eight thousand feet.
1: Oh no, um, we we use these things for ballistic missile defense, and so they can actually track objects up the lower lower space, low
3: orbit. Right. So so, but uh, I know you commented on the these some of these crafts seem to drop out from lo- like higher atmosphere, like almost from outside the atmosphere to sea level pretty quick. Yeah, that's right? Exactly.
1: What happening. They, our our ballistic missile defense team was tracking these things from space. They first went to eighty thousand feet. And stayed there for a while And that you know, as an air defense guy, um, um, <clears throat> I don't usually look that high, so I wasn't really paying attention that high. My console is set up just a certain way, and but then they would they would go from eighty thousand feet down to twenty eight thousand feet, and that's where I would, that's where I became concerned that these things were coming from space.
0: At like, <clears throat> mock whatever, like almost instant, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, instantly. Like, at that yeah, speed, it, you're
0: it, almost, like, you're almost, it, instead of measuring in mock, you're almost measuring in, like, speed of light, almost, like, it's going so well, fast.
1: Let me, let me tell you another little story. Um, in uh, carrier strike defense, like, if this is a carrier, we have points in space called combat air patrol stations, and we'll station aircraft out there. In case we get attacked, we've already got, we're already set up. Somehow, this object um, went for Commander Ch- uh, favor He chased it down to the water. This thing reacted to him. And that object, whatever it was, went 60 miles to his cap station, right on the latitude and longitude, right on the assigned altitude in less than two seconds.
2: Sorry, cap cap station?
1: Yeah, combat air patrol station. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha.
2: And like in, yeah. almost instant.
1: Yeah. And, and, and how did it know where that point was? He hadn't even gotten there yet.
0: Like he, the craft beat him to his point he was going to. Yeah. Yeah and yeah somehow, somehow he knew
1: how did it even know <laughs>
0: yeah it's like scanning their comms or something or yeah
2: that's I mean that that's crazy <laughs> that's wild. some side, sort of intelligence of like even understanding like our like how we operate basically yeah maybe but you know who who I mean this is such a crazy technology we're talking about it's it's unheard of on Earth's, so it's you know we, we can't even fathom what it is the one thing I really uh, love about your story Kevin is is that you talk about like basically how the like the government and your superiors have basically gaslit you for years saying that like you're crazy that kind of stuff how does it feel to get this kind of vindication
1: um it feels like I've been vindicated it really does <laughs> This really happened. And eyewitnesses have come forward now. A lot of us,
0: yeah, because you're you're part of this. You're tracking these things on radar. Years later, uh, Commander David Fravor, you know, he he goes public. He gets on Joe Rogan, like the, the biggest podcast in the world, one of the biggest shows in the world. And so that 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 allows you now to kind of explo- express it more freely without fear of being you know ridiculed
1: even farther. I'll send you a, um, as soon as we're done here, I'll send you a list of the people that have come forward and how they're involved in stuff. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yep. So
3: it was you and your entire TopWatch team. Like what's the, what's the compliment of your, your TopWatch team on the, what you were on, the, is it a CCG you're on the Princeton,
1: right? I was on the Princeton. Right. Asia and so crew. it, uh, were you seeing
3: most of this? Like you could see these things. You were on Top Watch at the time. Did you? Did you have visual? You had visual confirmation. You said you did at first. Like that's the first time you noticed something was kind of weird, or did you just, just see the radar
1: signatures first? I saw the radar signatures at first. Um, the pilots that were airborne uh, had visual on these things, but I I never did just on radar only.
3: And then these pilots, they came across so. Are all the just for clarification, are all of the they were flying FA eighteens, right? Hornets? Correct. And then they were yep. are all of them mounted with the the Fleer, the forward-facing uh, infrared, or is it just Frabers?
1: They all they all are.
3: Okay. And then they launched other there there were actually other aircraft as well and that, that strike group. There's not just Hornets, right? That I I remember reading that they they had perhaps launched another aircraft that was more uh, capable of kind of doing a, like a recon, like a reconnaissance aircraft.
1: Yeah. The E2 Hawkeye, it's a big radar plane with the radar dish. Right. Did they, did they confirm
3: that they, what you were seeing on radar as well?
1: They did in fact, yes. Oh, cool.
3: And then I think like, so how many, what was the most signatures at one time did you pick up on your, your radar?
1: 10, 10, 10 contact right. And over that, right. over the course of a couple of days, if you added them all up, it was about a hundred contacts all together.
3: Wow. Right. Right.
1: Okay. In, in was it, groups. was it,
3: was it like during, during those days where they spread out, was it like, was, can you remember like which day probably had the, the most contacts where there, or were there just like, was it like five, we, you know, let's see five days. So what they're like 20 every day. Yeah. Yeah. Were, and then were they the same craft or was it like, would they go leave, come back? Or would you just, you had constant contact. And then once they left the the area or outside of your radar range, uh, did they were gone for the whole day?
1: Yep. They would fade off radar.
3: Um, and then you wouldn't see them the rest of the day. Like they would just come in for, was, was there a certain, was there a certain there span a, of time?
1: We tracked several groups of these things. We um, they came on radar up by San, uh, San Clemente Island, and faded from radar off of the coast of Mexico, off Gu- Guadalupe Island, and okay. they all be so they were similar. always in the
3: same. They were always in the same like area that we you guys yeah. were patrolling.
1: Yep, right above, uh, right above us the whole time.
2: And what was the like? Was it was it like the talk of the ship at the time when this was happening? And like is is this kind of like everyone's talking about it on the ship or is this kind of like hush hush like no
1: one's no one's really everyone's supposed to talk about it the other we, you know we weren't out there by ourselves we had the aircraft carrier had a couple other ships with us from our strike group and we we're all talking about what the hell are these things right i had never seen anything like it before i had hundreds of inter i'm a top gun graduate been the top Gun school at um had hundreds of intercepts in my logbook over the years, and uh, and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of time sitting behind the spy one radar, and I had never seen anything like that.
0: Not even close, probably. Not even close.
1: Nope.
0: Man, that's
2: I had one other question that I wanted to ask. Now I just had a mind blank. I had a mind blank. It'll come back to me in a second. Here, <laughs> uh,
3: there's a there's another intriguing part to your story that I I know that you've talked about before, and that is the matter of the audio logs or the communication mm-hmm. logs that were supposed to be recorded during that time. Yeah, I think when you were you said that you were putting together your report that those that you were attempting to put together a a detailed report as you as you should have and what you you know felt you need to do, and then those logs weren't there they weren't you weren't able to access them is that correct
1: at, at the time um i i wrote a naval message about i wish i had a copy of it but we didn't guys we didn't know what the hell it was for sure I, yeah no one in our strike group um was a, it's, to this day it's a mystery what in the hell were those things you tell me oh uh, so what I was I was trying to figure out is that
3: uh, I used to I used to be in the navy as well. Uh, I was on the USS Blue Ridge uh, out of uh, Yokosuka, Japan. And I remember during like Eastwash training, uh, surface warfare training, like they took us up there and they showed us that that at least in the top like they had they had recording devices for all comms that were going through the ship. So comms, you know, communications between the what was going on and what you were receiving and that stuff gets written down and it gets made a point of record so oh, yeah those those discs or those that like those data discs that they have that are written down like those weren't you couldn't find those correct like you were trying I, yeah, that was a interview from a, a few years ago but um like you weren't able to find those discs or they perhaps had had gone missing at some point like they were supposed to be there but they weren't confiscated maybe
1: they were there they're of course classified right um everything got recorded and but we yeah, just don't I'm know sure.
3: we don't know where they are at this it's, point like so all of those co- those comms are either classified at, you know probably the highest one of the higher levels unable to be accessed yeah. at this point because yep. I'd be interested because we have the audio uh, that came with the videos like you have the videos of, of Commander Fravor and them, uh, you know, getting in contact, like managing to to catch it on the auto track and whatever, which is, is pretty exhilarating. And I imagine that the other audio recordings from other pilots that were dogfighting with these other uh, the other craft, uh, probably those ones would be interesting to listen to as well. But so it's a shame we can't find him at this point.
2: Now. Kevin, the the last question I had for you is, you know, because of the amount of the amount of crafts, the amount of crafts that were involved, uh, catching this thing on radar. Do you think that in the future we could expect to see potentially more videos or more evidence from this specific encounter uh, come out in various Freedom of Information Act requests? Is is there possible is it possible for there to be more to come from this incident?
1: Yeah, maybe even uh, more people will come forward. Right. And give like some of the pilots and stuff will come forward and talk about it. One thing leads to another.
0: Definitely. Um I got I got one question. I know you've said like you don't know what these things could have been, but speculation, like now that you've come out, other people have probably contacted you with similar experiences and theories get put together. What what do you think this could be? Do you think this might is this is an an earthly, earthly craft from a like advanced, from a different nation, advanced, or do you? What do you think this could be? <sighs> and if you don't know, get this is this, this is a show about speculation, and if, <laughs> get get as wild as you want. I,
1: I, I believe they, um, they're not us. Right. <laughs> Whatever it was, I don't think it was us. But they they were they were definitely real objects.
2: Yeah, it's not swamp gas and re- weather balloons. No. this time.
1: No,
0: <laughs> not this. No. no, not not a repeated event like this that yeah. happened over days and days with multiple objects, multiple people, radar signatures, maneuvers that seemed impossible for human, or at least like a like a biological life form. The g-force would just turn you to mush, pretty much.
1: You bet. It sure would.
0: Huh. I, it's a great story, and I'm I'm happy I'm happy you and Fravor and others are coming like forward with these type of encounters because civilians don't get you know people see stuff but that's about it you don't get radar tracking you don't you know you don't get comms you don't get any of this stuff it's
2: usually just you know well and and I'd like to thank you personally for coming forward because like your story and and people like you coming forward like you also you get vindication but you're also giving vindication to people who have seen things that they can't explain and you know, people are like, oh, "Yeah, you're crazy. You didn't see that. And when they hear your story, it, you know, it, it vindicates them as well because they're like, I've seen something strange in the skies as well. Uh, so thank you for coming forward and, you know, kind of stepping out of the shadows and, uh, letting people know that this is real and this really happened.
1: My pleasure.
0: All right. And you said you're working with a nonprofit. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? <clears throat>
1: Well, you are, we formed a nonprofit called UAP expeditions. And, um, at some point we plan to go back out there and look for these things again. And
0: how, how can people support the cause or get involved? Is, is there a website we can direct people to?
1: Um, contact me on Facebook.
0: Kevin Day on Facebook and yeah. you'll send the information mm-hmm. if people, so yep. if you, you gotta be more interested, you can't just, if you can't contact the man directly, he'll, he'll get you involved.
1: Yep. I will
0: answer your questions. Right on. And uh, we, we look forward to hearing your story told more in depth at Contact in the Desert coming up here in June. For people who don't know, June 25th to June 28th, Kevin Day will be part of the conference. Uh, it'll be virtual this year, as with many other conferences. And yeah, you'll be giving more of a personal encounter and how it affected your life. So looking forward to that. Me too. All right, Kevin, thanks for taking the time out of your day. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again. Thanks for being
2: interested. Take it easy. Okay. Take care, you. Kevin. Bye. Right, bye. That's a cool story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's cool to hear someone that... Uh, um, Like the emotion in his voice, especially at the beginning when he's telling like... You know, we've talked about that before and I've said that. I'm like, imagine seeing something and your whole view of life changes because you're like, this is something not from here like you you just know and then your whole life changes and you have people saying that like you would feel like you're going fucking crazy so it's like um to me it's like this guy's living what i always kind of thought my head would go through like you would go through he's living it um so he has lived it it's super interesting i really like that story i was uh i listened to another interview and i i was pleasantly surprised today about how interested uh, interesting he was.
0: Anytime someone who is involved in military that comes forward.
2: Yeah. Now if Dan would
0: just, come forward with that story he yeah, got, when he got probed. Yeah, Dan's got a... <laughs> what's your UFO tale, Dan? In the Navy. Dan is too busy actually, spinning ranches. He's lucky
3: enough I was gonna say, like, he's lucky enough that he got to work on the top wedges. I was working in the bottom of the ship. I, there was that one point that I didn't see the sun for two weeks. So if you're <laughs> asking me about what I saw in the open seas, I didn't see shit. That's like gauges and steam. That's yeah. like- <laughs> More
2: steam!
3: <laughs> um like, that's it. No, it's
2: uh it's interesting that like, you know, like you hearing those accounts of all that time, it's like You know, Dan made a good point when we kind of had some technical difficulties. It's like, why do we only have one video? And it's like, maybe that's the only video that's been released. Like, maybe we can expect more, you know, in the future from this specific event. I'm not going to say other events because I don't have faith that if it's not already out there that the government would release anything. But because this one's already released, maybe this will come with more information in the future based on this specific event.
0: Well, there's actually at Contact in the Desert, there's supposed to be new videos released similar to the ones released by To the Stars Academy. Yeah. Like three or four more military videos, but they're I mean, they're hyping them up, so I'm I'll stay tuned.
3: Yeah, we'll find out. I'm hoping it's not just those videos that they released with the little, I the hope little it's specks the- <laughs> of light <laughs> recently. I, 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 if it's those ones, I'll be pissed. I hope
2: it's the Nimitz <laughs> video, but they've just flipped it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going left to right. This it just change the color, like the color scheme a little <laughs> yeah. bit. No, like, I, we've colorized it. Like, <laughs> uh, thanks.
0: I hope we get the legit HD version. Yes. Yes. If the, if it's going to be the same video, the H, like the original, the the more high def, this, the one you see has definitely been copied and like downscaled.
2: Um, you see, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I would like to see more people from that ship come forward. I think we have a handful now. Um, I mean, he's going to send us a list of all of them, but uh, we'll get dig in. It's cool that he's accessible. Like you heard him,
0: Kevin, Day, him on,
2: on, Kevin Day on Facebook. Get him on Facebook if you want to get involved with a nonprofit um, studying these things.
3: Um, yeah, there was another point of his story I forgot to ask, um, but they did they did bring up the the point in one of his other interviews that um, according to like Fraber and those who had like firsthand. Visual contact or those, I think, on the Nimitz, like they were more or less asked or forced to sign NDAs, like non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. But he wasn't. Kevin Day wasn't asked to do any of that. Well, maybe none of that came up.
2: Maybe because, I mean, and we just have, but these are questions we can ask him in the future is um, maybe that's because he didn't actually visually see anything. radar he's just seeing blips right and going like hey this isn't normal right but other than that he doesn't have visual like these pilots are like there's something in the fucking skies that I'm chasing that's outmaneuvering us like crazy like to me that information rather than like you have a radar tech not to like you know lesser his involvement but he's like I I picked something up it was acting strangely to me that's easier for someone to be like it was it was swamp gas and some helium balloons f- flying up, testing, and then people are like, oh yeah, sure, because you didn't visually see anything. But when you when you pair his, like story with the eyewitness accounts, it like just paints a bigger picture, right?
3: Yeah, and I definitely like to see like some more of the actual pilots come forward. Yeah, to be like if they if they scrambled as many jets as they were doing, and they were concerned. I mean, from from Kevin's. Analysis. I mean, he said that these things weren't didn't appear aggressive at all. No. They didn't. They only appeared intel. I mean, they showed intelligence uh, as far as as far as he was concerned, and but they weren't aggressive in any way. So you had these jets just like chasing these 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 craft that were as large as them, like so. These are like the same size as almost as a you know a F-18 yeah. It's not small, <laughs> and five to ten at a time. Squadrons zipping all over the place. Um, Yeah, red squadron, gold squadron, green squadron, all flying around.
2: Interesting, interesting how they flew, like he explained in that, like, you know, formation, that drone formation, right? Like, uh, he put
0: put five fingers on the screen, he's like, they flew like this
2: and perfect, and perfect unison up, down, right? It kind of makes me think that maybe they're not individually piloted and it's controlled by some sort of drone hive mind or something like in, in a mothership up and they're, it's just remote, right? They're just, well, that makes sense to me if, say, if
0: ETs, they are biological, they would have to experience, you know, gravity as we would.
2: Yeah, but if their crafts don't operate how we understand, like maybe there's. Maybe, but I'm speculation that it makes more sense for
0: me that these are drones, like they're being controlled. Like yeah. there might not be something in them.
3: Yeah, yeah I wanted wanted to get more into details about like what the time window of when he saw these because he said they saw them approximately like in the same location every day over those five days. Like they were in the same place, but it was always I kind of should have got more into like what time of day it was. And then they they just take off and then they're gone for the whole the rest of the day.
2: Well, he said they they would periodically come back back, because they'd come up. They appear about around five times throughout the day.
3: Right. Right. So it's like, so they would just shoot up and then come back down, shoot up, come back down. I mean, that makes it interesting to be like, well, what are they doing?
0: Yeah. They're training, they're doing training missions as well. Yeah.
2: Earth exercises.
0: What I thought was really interesting is they said like, what did they call their forward, like the, the point Clear. it's the
3: yeah the forward facing infrared camera yeah
0: no no the the point where the planes were supposed to meet in case
3: the CAB, oh the combat patrol yeah cap whatever, yeah.
0: so they're like CAP. They,
3: combat air patrol
0: because when point. you when you listen to fravor's account he says like oh we, we were advised to proceed to that point and this object beat us there like it knew where we were going and it was there before we could even blink and you're like okay well how does it know that's that's where we're going
2: Right. Like, yeah. Is it picking up comms? Is it inter- like maybe it's some sort of like artificial intelligence, right? Like and it's just it comes down and like as it's there and it's picking up comms and that it's just s- sorting that shit
3: out. Or it's a geographical thing because I could be like, well, why did they pick that for their combat air patrol point? Is it based on like is it like latitude, longitude? So is it like they they this is the but like this is the best place to have our combat air patrol or is it because I'm I'm trying to figure out I know that he said they were doing exercises so usually when you have a carrier group you have like you know you have the carrier in the middle then you have your other ships like uh, spread out yeah. over a large area um so I'm wondering if it was like they were moving and then the combat patrol the combat air patrol point was moving with them or whether it was determined like just geographically like it's it's this far from you know like I said it's like latitude longitude like yeah. this point is far enough to whatever we- so whether they were trying to whether they're trying to base their whatever, if it is aliens, like their technology, is it like, okay, this latitude, longitude is the ideal place for us to, or optimal place for us to it, go.
2: It, well, it, the, see, that seems weird that like the, they would, they would determine a place whether or not the, the, the combat patrol point was moving fixed. However, it's that they decide that that's where we're going. And then this thing is now there before them. There It, it, it does it does kind of for me make me think that they're aware of what we're doing, like they're whatever this was was conscious, like I don't think it's that's a coincidence like that's just a uh you know a happy coincidence that they're like they see these things they're like, okay, let's move to this position, hey, that thing is moved to the position we're going to take it. Right perhaps,
0: but it also moved to like every position.
3: Yeah. Everywhere. But it's <laughs> not like a specific point, right? Like yeah. combat patrol area. It's like, it's just like an area. Yeah. So it's like, I and actually, I don't know how large the area was. I'd probably have to look. Yeah. I guess maybe it's, but it's, it could be like a hundred kilometers. Be, yeah. It could be a, like a huge area that yeah. just happened to be there. Um, or heading in that direction. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of questions that could be answered if uh, you know a couple more pilots and a couple more people in that carrier come strike forward. group uh, that yeah. were present during those exercises and during this incident would come forward, and you could be like, well, we can answer all these questions.
2: You know what? Let's, I, let's hear it. Let's I, get them out. I do. I do like that. You know, when when we press him, like, what is, what, are, what are these? He's just like, listen, I don't know. I believe it's not us. That's it. Like. Well as far as I...
0: other events, you know, atmospheric phenomenon, right?
2: Yeah, it wasn't but fucking this, but... Venus and Gatorade fucking shining through fucking atmospheric refraction
3: This what... light in a weather balloon. Yeah. Crab Nebula. Yeah, so repeating you know, uh, plasma, plasma a repeating um, event. Yeah. With yeah, fast radio bursts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Causing magnetic distortion in the ionosphere cl- creating orbs that fly in formation repeatedly. Yes. Yeah. Over multiple days in the same mm-hmm. geographic region,
3: the Aurora Borealis at this latitude, at this longitude, at this time of day, localized in your kitchen.
0: Yes, if you go from a, sci- a sci-fi point, <laughs> hypothetical. So you have this ET species. They've been observing Earth, watching us, waiting for the time. Maybe their armada's on the way, and we they see us training. Like during doing our training missions and they're just like observing us. So when the takeover comes, they know exactly how we operate.
2: Just taking intelligence, right? Exactly. Like they have some scanners and shit that's just like, it's picking up all of our, what we think is like we're sharing secretly. They're just picking it all up and whatever AI they have on board is just absorbing it. And it's like, yeah, we know we... Five days, we understand their tactics.
0: These are these are scout ships, and yeah. pr- pretty soon you're going to see like a large glowing object form in the sky. Yeah, Muamua Mua Mua, Mua
2: passed by. Muamua Mua passed by, dropped off a
0: bunch of... Well, I guess that was in, this is 2004. So
3: I'll just call up Will Smith to kick the tires and light the fires, baby, and get him up there. <laughs> Welcome but,
2: to
0: Earth.
3: they flew they flew the same jets. Like those are the same jets from. Oh, really? From Independence and, Day? Yeah, FA-18s. Though, well, those are fucking old fighters, but yeah, now and they've been old fighters for a long time. But yeah, those are the same. Those are the same jets. Mm, cool. So it's just going to be Independence Day.
2: Um. All right. What else? Uh, anything else before we wrap that one up?
0: No, it's cool. I want to try and get uh, when more people come out. We'll try and bring them on. Yeah. If we can.
2: All right, guys. Take it easy and keep those eyes on the skies. Peace.
0: All right. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Kevin Day. You can find him on Facebook. Seems to be the best way to reach him. Search for Kevin Day. You can't miss that. If you want to hear more of his story, he'll be presenting at Contact in the Desert, June 25th to 28th. For more information, times of presentations, and all the rest, head to Contact in the Desert com stay tuned for next week's the- stay tuned for next week's theorists in the desert we have Avi Loeb on Harvard professor head of the Starshot program and researcher of this mysterious comet Amuamua alright keep those eyes on the skies